Welcome to the I'll Think About It podcast. Nothing is off limits in this space because we are interested and curious about everything. Join us for a thoughtful journey into the heart of the deep issues of our day with a few laughs along the way. Let's do this. In this podcast, we talk about customer service, Columbo, and the weather. Three topics you wouldn't normally find together in the same podcast, but we managed to uh, put them together. Yeah. Just like chefs in a kitchen, we just mix it all together. (laughs) We do. We just mix it all together. (laughs) But in the customer service segment, we did promise or we did say that we weren't necessarily going to get into rants or uh, a lot of anecdotes, but, you know, it was hard to avoid because when it comes to customer service- Let's be honest. You know, rant and me go hand in hand. Well, this is true. But also, it's hard to not share stories of where we've been affected by poor customer service. Yeah, right. We did not avoid those stories. No, we didn't avoid them. Hopefully, they're entertaining enough to be worth a a listen. Oh, I think they are. Enjoy. Well, Aaron, good afternoon. It's great to be back with you today. Good afternoon. It's time for yet another podcast. It is. We're ready. We're rearing to go. Actually, is that even a word? Rearing. 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 Is it rearing or raring? Raring. Is it ra- Gosh, rearing? You I know don't what? know. I got to find that. I got to find out. Isn't it funny how we think we, we talk all the time offline I know. and we and then we just randomly come up with something. I'll just say something. <laughs> I'm rearing to go. I don't know if I've ever said that before, actually. Uh, we have to look that one up. Okay. Yeah. We'll get back to you, folks. We'll get back to you on that one. Well, how are you? How are you? What's going on? You? I know you watched a show you're going to tell us about but is there yes. anything else you want to say first um no i i don't think so i know we, it's been a little while since we did a podcast it's, it's been it like a month for us yeah right? yeah we in took real a little, time it's we, been about a month it's been about a month because holidays a, and everything but. we took a break and so that means we're ready and we have some good ideas to talk what's about our today. big topic for today topic today is customer service or customer no service okay (laughs) depending on which way you look at it (laughs) because right now we are in a i think crisis of no service so stay tuned for that okay all right but before we get into what you were wanting to talk about i have a follow-up from a previous podcast that just kind of popped up randomly okay in my online searches and uh, I was doing some reading, and an article caught my eye on banned words. And these are banned words for 2022. Recommended. When you say banned, not words that a member of a band says. No, ban. <laughs> B-A-N-N-E-D. Oh, like for – okay. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking spinal tap. Okay. Goodness. <laughs> okay. No, banned list from – Lake Superior State University. Okay. And they have a list of words they put out every year. Okay. And so one of the words caught my eye, and the word is irregardless. Oh, and that is a banned word. That is a word now that has become annoying. And, you know, we talked about how it was a non-standard word in a previous post. And I think people have finally become annoyed with it enough to say, we we don't want that word around anymore. Because we're not really sure it's a word. It is a word, but... People hear it and I think it grates on them. So I, they're done with it. I I don't think that's going to happen. 
Really? We're still going to say irregardless? This is just more of the same old, that isn't a word, you know, slapping of the wrist. The fact of the matter is people are going to keep saying it. I don't think you can control this kind of thing. Okay. I, I just don't. It's been in the vocabulary of at least some parts of America since, what, the 1800s, I think we said? Yes. I don't think because a university is saying that this is banned or that people are, quote unquote, annoyed by it, that it goes away. I just don't. Okay. I think people, so. They have no control over. I don't think the they speech do. of everyday Americans. No, this just sounds like some academic saying, "Thou shalt not say such and such." Well, here's there's another one on the list. I thought you uh, might be interested in. It is what it is because they don't just do words; they do phrases. We know someone who likes that phrase. Okay, so, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> uh, we'll just call it out. It's my mother. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she she actually that likes that phrase so much. That she has a sign. She has a sign on her desk. Yeah, on her desk. At, at yes. her office, yeah. That, that one's a little bit different to me because it's actually a phrase. And I think phrases can be mocked a little bit easier than a word like irregardless, which is just kind of always oh, just been there. But <laughs> it is what it is. You know, phrases like that can get, get banned. Get tired. I think people yeah, get, they get tired. get tired and people will just, it'll just fall out of favor because it's, it's not cool to say. Or, or people just don't want to hear it anymore. Are there any other ones on that list? Yeah, no, I won't read the whole list, but some that stood out to me. One of the first one, number one is goat. Oh, like greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Yeah, that's gotten a little bit. Like they're calling everyone the goat. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? They're not. These people aren't the goat. And the problem with, okay, here's a, we can go on a tangent here. Yeah, yeah. The problem with um, categorizing the greatest of all time is that it's almost impossible to span time frame to de- to make that determination yeah. it, in other words uh, tennis is a good example it's really easy to say well it's relatively easy to say who's the best tennis player in this moment or who's been the best tennis player maybe of the last 20 or 30 years but once you go before that it, things get much harder because equipment was different and this is true. And different types of playing were different. And the prevalence of surfaces were different. Well, all of those variables change this dramatically. It's really difficult to determine who's the best of all time. If you took a Bjorn Borg and you brought him into the modern era, would he be as good or better? If you took a Djokovic and you you sent him back in that era with a wooden racket, would he be? You know, who knows? It's so hard to determine. So then we just end up having, well, he's the goat now, and he's the goat now, and every year there's a new goat. Well, well, that, then there's that, that shouldn't that, be possible. That right? actually is against the actual definition of what the goat yeah, is. So it's time represents all time. It's right? a bit of a game, and I get it. It's kind of like just bragging about your team and bragging about great players of yesteryear and saying, well, what if? I think it's human nature to do that. Yeah, because you want to see how far people can push themselves yeah. in their own And that's sports. never going to go away. People yeah. are going to say who the best chess player was, you know, the best tennis player, best race car driver, whatever. That's never going to go away. But I think the term goat has gotten so overused. Well, it's number one on the list that, for a reason. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. People being kind of done with that for that term. You know, I like what you said, though, about comparing, you know, equipment versus today versus 25, 50 years ago. 
you know, you you could even go with the way they coach today with the videos oh, sure. and yeah. the way training is today. But, well, training is very, I mean, that, training is, that is so, something so different than I mean, it was 50 um, years ago, 25 years ago. For sure. I would suspect on most sports, but tennis is actually a really good example. I mean, the tennis player of today is in probably far better shape. And I think people like McEnroe have talked about this, how much more fitness-oriented players are today. So they're better players as a result of that. Yeah. But again, if you took those guys and you you had them less fit or in the quote-unquote fitness that they would have had back then, would they be anywhere near as good? I don't know. If you took a McEnroe and you, you disciplined him and you got him in, in good, healthy shape, would he be as good or better? I don't know. I just This is difficult to say. Yeah, there's a lot of variables involved in that. Okay, well, all, and all those discussions. I think that we can both agree on then goat is an overused. I'm, I'm happy to see that one go. Yeah, that one can go. But you know, what's interesting is that the goat is sort of slang, whereas irregardless is not. Right. So, see, irregardless has been in the language for a yeah. long time. And it's, it's an actual word, not a trendy acronym. Yeah. I don't think because of its very nature and the IR prefix – I, I just don't think that's ever going to go away, no matter how much it gets bashed. Now, it is true that it's not officially in the dictionary, but if you do a search for it, you'll see that it's what do they what do you say a non-standard word? a non-standard word yeah. yeah you know another non-standard word is anyways which I oh, don't like when people use anyways especially when writing uh, you know what I think that's in the same category it, absolutely yeah, in I don't the think same it's ever category. gonna go away it's probably been around for a long time yeah. I don't actually know that but anyway is the correct right. word without to the use s. without the s right. and anyways is the casual version of that same word it's like a segue anyways uh what's going on today you know i i like anyway what's going on today yeah but, I, well, i'm just saying my, when people how people yeah, oh use that's it. yeah that's exactly how people use it uh, okay well which which if that's the case it, it could be kind of classified maybe a different meaning right yeah yeah because it's, it's a, cas- used, a casual a subtly segue, different right yeah yeah, you're casually and, moving to a new and sub- and again, just like with irregardless, right? There is a difference in meaning and standard. Regardless, there is a subtlety there. So does it deserve to be? You know. <laughs> anyway, we could go down that rabbit hole. All day well, long. of course we could. But uh, let's move on. You had yeah. a you have a TV show that you've been watching. So that you wanted um, to introduce? I, yeah, I to. wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a show well known by many people. And that is Columbo. Hmm. Probably most of the people that are listening to our podcast would be familiar with it. But in case you're not, this was a show that started, well, the very first version of it was in 1968. It was actually a TV movie. It was kind of a high budget, high-ish budget movie done in 1968. Um, it had an actor by the name of George Barry who played the, I think his name was George Barry. I hope I got that right. He played the the murderer. And then Peter Falk uh, was the uh, detective. And... In 1971, three years later, they started as a um, a semi-regular TV show. I think it was on ABC's Mystery Movie Night or something. But there were three or four different shows that would take turns each week. And one of those was Columbo. I liked when they used to do that. Yeah, I remember kind of, that. You sort of looked forward to one that would come on. Well, or- there's an interesting thing about that formula. Uh, and you can kind of see it with Columbo, especially in the earlier years, and that is they have more time to do the show. So the quality tended to be a, a bit high. If they had done that every week, the quality necessarily would be lower because they'd have less time to write the scripts and uh, do the rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. So by having it 
essentially once a month or maybe once every two months, they had a lot of opportunity to really try to put forth a good product. Mm-hmm. I don't think that a lot of people appreciate the the pressure of a weekly hour long show. That's that's incredible to maintain quality and do that. It's a lot of turnaround. It's a lot of turnaround. And I'm sure that they do like kind of like what we did with our podcast, where you get a little bit of buffer, you pre-record a certain amount, but sooner or later you catch up. And to keep that grind going every week, oh my goodness, it's gotta be crazy. Anyway, um the thing with Columbo is the basic if you're if you're unfamiliar with it, the basic premise is that you see the murder occur and you know who committed the murder. So right from the get-go, you know who did it. There's not a mystery. This isn't a mystery. And then uh, usually there's about, I want to say average about 20 minutes where you see the murder, you learn who he is, you learn what the motivation is for the for the murder. Sometimes it's an accident, but most of the time it's premeditated. They're almost always wealthy slash powerful people. So it really kind of gets that whole, you know, we always like to see the wealthy and powerful get their comeuppance, right? That think they can uh, get away with murder. And then Peter Falk plays this uh, detective named Columbo, and he plays the part of a kind of a bumbling, you know, not so bright guy. He's a short guy. He's an act as an actor. He's not very tall, so he's rather unimposing. He, he wears a raincoat in L.A. <laughs> yeah, and he always kind of rumpled. A, a, it's always a, rumpled looking. His hair is always messed up. Crazy eyes, kind of. Uh, well, uh, actually, so the the Peter Falk, the actor, he actually had uh, a glass eye. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, Oops. so no, no, this is okay. I don't think they ever talk about it in, in the TV show, to be honest with you. But it's, it, you know, it's kind of obvious that if when he does his close ups and stuff, but I suppose it just fits with the character as he's so. You know, I thought that that was, he was affected that was in shtick. that way. No, and, no. Uh, and that was part of the character on the no, show. No, no, that's, okay. that's actually, there's a funny story about, he was apparently an athlete. He played um, uh, baseball when he was younger and amongst other things. In fact, in the show, uh, he, he's a, it was an expert pool player and he, they actually have him doing essentially trick shots being filmed in the show. Oh, that's <laughs> where, so neat. Yeah, because he's, so good at it and there's another one where he pretends like he doesn't know how to play golf and he and he's getting a lesson from some guy he's talking to and he does he takes he says oh what's this club it's a oh that's a one wood well anybody who plays golf which i don't by the way but i know this much a one wood is one of the hardest clubs to actually hit with he says well why don't you give me a lesson with this he goes out there and they're yapping and in the middle of talking he takes and does a perfect looking swing because <laughs> because the peter falk was just a good athlete he, okay he could do anything anyway he tells the story when he was younger he was playing baseball and and uh, he was running bases or something and the referee calls him out or does miss calls or makes a bad call in Peter's opinion. So he, he takes out his glass eye oh, and he hands it to the ref and says, here, maybe this will help you see the call next time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's just so interesting. He's, the, one of the things about Columbo is you just learn to love the character. And by extension, people learned to love Peter Falk. I was going to say that he it was a like really cool guy there. In fact, it's worth going online to YouTube and he, I don't know if it's an Emmy nomination or Emmy award that he gets but he does an acceptance speech and he's just such a cool classy guy i mean you just couldn't not like him and um as a matter of fact uh steven spielberg is quoted as saying in his early years he learned more about acting from peter falk than he learned from any other actor or something to that effect 
Uh, he was a very influential person kind of in the business. Well, what I wanted to say about it was this, the very first TV movie was this, it's a very well done, it's called Prescription Murder. And I do recommend uh, if you want to know if you would like it, watch that. It's done very well. I think it's an hour and a half long. Most of them are around an hour and a half. It's done really well uh, for a TV movie. It's it's really good. And then, uh, then the series starts after that. Well, the very second uh, episode that is done is actually directed by Steven Spielberg. It's a very young Steven Spielberg. This was 1971. And I'm a bit of a kind of a visual guy. Like I notice when things are, when something's being done very well or artistically. And I remember watching this and, and thinking, wow, I can't, bl- this is, this thing is filmed so uniquely. Uh, and it turns out it, it was Steven Spielberg. And you can see why he was kind of a phenom when he was young, when you watch that. And so much so that I like, if you're into film, you should just watch it. It's, um, what's that one called? Um, I think it's the second episode of the, of the first series. It's, it stars Jack Cassidy. Uh, it's worth, it's, it's 100% worth watching just if you want to learn how a, a master filmmaker can use camera angles and all this kind of stuff. And this is episode two. I think it's the second episode of the first series. Of right, and, and not the movie. The it's series the actual starts a couple series. Years later, yeah, yeah. and then it's number yeah. two. Okay, and uh, it stars Jack Cassidy. And then there is the there's a woman who uh, plays part of uh, of a uh, of witness slash accomplice, and it's a woman by the name of Barbara Colby is uh, the actress's name, and she just gives and the way Spielberg films her, she just gives just a great, amazing performance. And very tragically, she dies. She gets murdered herself. Oh, my God. Shortly after this was filmed. I think it was the last thing that she did. And when you watch, because I immediately, when you see these stand-up performances, like, oh, I wonder, how come I've never seen her again? Yeah. Well, and sadly, that was what happened Oh, that's terrible. As a matter of fact, Jack Cassidy, he was in, um, uh, I can't remember what it was now. He's a pretty well-known actor. I mean, most people would recognize him if you saw him, if you see anything from that era. He did three Columbos as the, as the, he played, he's just really good at playing the kind of uppity bad guy. And, but he, he died uh, tragically in a smoke, uh, I think um, a cigarette, you know, smoking uh, accident when he fell asleep. Uh, cause he, I, he undoubtedly would have done another Columbo. I'm, I'm quite certain. How many seasons did Columbo? Go? So there, I feel like it went on forever. Kind of weird. Yeah. So the classic era was in the early seventies to the mid to late seventies. Then they take a few years off and then they kind of redo it. They started up again in the eighties. The eighties ones are so much more, I don't know, dated, They're like cheesy eighties. There's a few good ones there. The seventies ones though are, are the ori- ri- that yeah. would be sort of like the original yeah. intention before they Yeah, before they eighty eighty is I eyesed it. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, Prescription Murder, the very first one, the movie, was it's based on a play. Okay. And so it's a really tight script. It was clearly, you know, perfected for for as a play and then adapted to the movie and in fact the guys who wrote the play wrote the screenplay for the tv movie and also they wrote a number of the episodes as well and uh, peter falk was cast very early on uh, for this role and he just does it just it's so good but there is a satisfaction one gets watching it's difficult to describe when you see the wealthy and the powerful 
get theirs. It's just, it just scratches that itch so perfectly and they always underestimate Columbo. Um, and then there's usually, there's this back and forth between the, the perpetrator and Columbo. He knows they did it. And then at a certain point, the perpetrator knows that he knows that they did it, but they're still pretending, pretending like, like, you know, like yeah. you're not going to catch me. Yeah. And they'll actually have conversations like, well, hypothetically, uh, if this murder, what do you think? You know? <laughs> and so there's this great cat and mouse that occurs in, in most of the episodes. So. It really is worth watching. It's a part of American culture now. People who know, know. You've at least seen excerpts of it. Everybody's heard of it. But I just encourage people, if if you, if you want to watch something kind of out of the usual Netflix modern genre kind of stuff, it's Turn really... Columbo. Yeah, well, it's really worth uh, you know watching a, a couple or three of those. And then if you like it, you'll you'll stick with it. I think most people would like it. It's it's kind of hard not to like. It went like I said. It went on for a. I I, I remember it. I was too young to catch the early, uh, the earlier episodes. Yeah, I, Just yeah, we being, both were. We yeah, both we didn't in. see them when yeah. they were on. I, and, I saw it later. And then the eighties one. I think I probably wouldn't have cared by then to yeah, watch we, that. Yeah, we were busy. <laughs> we were busy in school. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But you know, looking at the classic uh, detectives. You know that we. I mean, you've got like Poirot, and you've got like Sherlock Pavel, Holmes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the proper. But all all of those, you're usually you it's don't, the opposite. You formula, don't know who the right? yeah. Right. You don't you know is, who the murderer. You are discovering along with the detective yes. or the investigator what has happened, and so that's one of the things that makes Columbo unique. Is it's you the opposite formula. Murder, you actually see it happen from the murderer's perspective, and then after about twenty minutes, Columbo shows up on the scene. And then the whole thing starts with, okay, how does he know he discovers who it is? And now he knows he knows. And you know, it's, it's very psychological kind of in a way. I love, I love detective shows. Did you ever watch Monk? I've seen oh my some, some parts of it. Uh, oh, it's so good. And actually, a lot of these detective shows, they all one of the things they have in common is that the investigator detective is always quirky. Well, that's right? what I was getting to. They're so, always yeah. different. They're, they're under and then they're underestimated. Often underestimated. Right. And uh, yeah. You, Although like Poirot, I don't think you would say that. He, he, you know, he had well, a reputation. He, he had a claim. Except right. while he was going through each of his cases, you you still not until the very end. His genius is not revealed right in, until in, yeah. until the very end, right. and so you you still sort of are underestimating. How does he? But you know they obviously use story to do that. They're hiding certain facts from mm-hmm. you that the, that the character knows that you don't know right, to right. make it appear as if it just sort of comes out of nowhere. But Monk is one of our favorite shows. We've gone through that multiple times. I actually kind of liked House. Was it House MD too? Yeah, very so like good. A, on the medical detective yeah, kind of side again. And my understanding is that character was based on Sherlock Holmes. I I, I believe I could definitely um, see a parallel. Between his character. Yeah, it's kind of like a modern Sherlock Holmes, but in a, yeah. in the medical space. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we could <laughs> we could go. It's fun though. I we like to. The fun stories. thing about Columbo is that it because it's very much a '70s show. You see all the, these guest actors of that era, like a Jack Cassidy, and and that makes it kind of fun. It's a it's a very time capsule feeling. Now you you see what life was like in the '70s, all the cars and and, the, and it's all and it's in L A. It's very much an L A. show. So he's going to places in L A. Tale of the Pup, 
anybody who knows what that is, so there's kind of a little bit thing going on with that now. But there's actually, it's actually in that show, which was a Hollywood iconic venue. So that's part of its charm as well, I think. Okay, well, you might have convinced me. It's definitely. It's I think not you black would, and white. So I think it's not black and white. I think I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Well, let's get into our topic for today. Okay, let's okay. do it. Customer service or no customer service or no customer service. Yes. Okay, so again, as most of you have probably figured out by now, Aaron usually comes up with our uh, topics. So I always like to ask, what was the genesis of this topic? Well, I had. A situation where I was treated so poorly by a company that it got me thinking more about the wider subject of how people are treated by businesses. I'll get into what happened to me. Okay. Um, I mean, I can tell my story now. I, I want to be sure on this podcast, this isn't meant to be a complaint fest. Right. I, I don't want to sort of go through tons of anecdotes that don't have a an ending point because okay. I think we can all talk about bad encounters we've had with companies. But your premise here is that it has gotten worse over time. I Not just that so. you've had a bad experience or a series of bad experiences, but you think that this is a general trend. Right? I think is that- it is a general trend. Okay. And I think anyone, like, for example, anyone who flies knows flying is just getting progressively worse and worse and worse. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but yeah. I'm pretty much at the point now where I just intend on never flying again at this point it's so bad i i I would have to have an extremely good reason to do it it's so bad now and there and there's no alternative it it almost feels like uh when industries get to a point where all the businesses act the same there's so little differentiation between them and it feels like they're not competing against each other so nobody's ever it's never going to get better it just it all gets worse together over time. <laughs> that's I mean, what that's like, what the airline industry seems like. Yeah, it's I, it's like sort of monopolistic behavior, but yeah, it's hard. I I, I don't, don't know, know how else to, to explain it because yeah. they're all. I mean, back in the day, I I know I remember people say, "Oh, I fly such such. I I really like them. They they have better service. They have better food. They have better whatever." Nobody says that now. No one. I don't. That. Nobody. I I don't hear anybody talk about their favorite airline anymore. I do have a favorite airline. I I have liked Delta in the past. We had some family trips last year, and one of my family members was really just had a very bad outcome with with Delta. Mm. Um, My son flew last summer. He flew Delta. He had a a flight was canceled, and they he was dealing with this all without me even knowing. Mm -hmm. And he they sent him an email saying your flight is canceled. He was like stuck and going to be stuck in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. and they quickly. We're able to get him onto another flight. So, and actually, and I'll get into how that ended up. Actually, I talk about it now. Companies that fail, if they are taken care of, fifty-four percent of the customers retain positive feelings towards. Yeah, the company. I have seen that. Yeah. So if oh, okay, so I'll just rephrase that. Yeah. When a company makes a mistake and then corrects it they actually get a higher level of customer satisfaction than if they had not made the mistake in the first place. Because it, especially, because it if, it, especially if it is a mistake, if it, if it is a flagrant disregard mm-hmm. for the customer's like well-being, the customer's money, customer's time, you know, you can kind of, kind of goes down a little right. bit, but if there is a genuine mistake, yeah, just a made, mistake yeah. that is corrected, mm-hmm. then the customer loyalty is definitely higher after the fact. But I mean, let's go back to the airlines really quick. We had 
Southwest cancel 15,000 flights right. over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Their software, uh, they had the software SkySolver, was not up to the challenge when they needed to reassign crews because of weather delays and, uh, and cancellations. It was like they brought a knife to the gunfight. They couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't, I'm, and I they know, lost. I'm a little suspicious of that excuse. I'm not saying that that isn't a part of it, but it just is odd to me that if what they're saying, what they claim is correct, why didn't this happen before? This Uh, has been a problem, they claim, you know, in these stories that have been written about this. This has been a problem long time coming. It's just a little odd to me that. Well, it sounds like the software was too small to handle this large-scale issue. But this kit, this can't be the first time yeah, you see what I'm saying? that like, there was a weather yeah, issue. And, and fewer people are flying now than before, than pre-COVID, I'm sure. I, I don't know. And this is kind of tangential to the whole discussion. But I've always – there's something about that particular story that rubs me as a little bit like we're not getting the whole story there. I, and, I, and we might not get the whole story. And I don't know what the rest of that story would be, but uh, it just it doesn't uh, something doesn't ring ring right to me about that. Well, and then what about I mean the FAA canceled all their flights or, or they grounded all those flights because of they they had, you know, vintage software you know issues. I'm not familiar with this. So the, This was gosh, this would have been so we're film, we're taping this in January, and this would have been mid January. They yeah they so the the FAA had a problem. The FAA, so it's it was the software that they use. The um, I didn't know the FAA used software. Well, it was the. I mean, I, I guess they do, but the fl- for flight control. Oh, so oh oh yeah yeah flight for flight control. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess they're all they all have to be linked together somehow to manage the airspace. Yes, and so so there was a problem. Something there. was going on, so they grounded a bunch yeah. of flights. And yeah, that, and that's I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened. It ha it ha it's not the first time, and that's the problem. They've known that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was upgraded like it's been up. It was so terrible, and it's been upgraded a little bit each year or every couple of years, but it's not even anywhere near where it needs to be. But you know, you if, know, I don't know if anybody listening to this has ever thought about this, but can you imagine a more stressful job than writing software for air traffic control? Like if you mess that up, well, it's how, how many you, you could have hundreds or thousands of people get killed in one incident. If you had two, you know, big jumbo liners crashing into each other or something like the, the margin of error, that's got to be, I mean, very, very difficult. Well, I, I'm assuming any type of software is should have redundancies built in. So, that well, yeah, they have happen. redundancies. But remember, you, but you can always it's human error. Yeah, you can, yeah. Humans are writing the software. Yeah. So, well, then I mean, then, you, then it goes into the air traffic controllers. Well, and yeah. And that's why you have that human there job. to make sure. Yeah. But still, I mean, the point is that's that's a kind of. A level of stress. <laughs> it's not I, one that I would want. And hopefully, yeah. those people are getting paid the big bucks to, you know. Yeah, to, yeah, I, I imagine that software. Uh, and likewise, though, too, to the point here, when it's working, you can imagine they don't want to touch anything. Well, and so I, even if they start yeah, running up against a capacity problem, they're like, oh, well, if, if we mess with this too much, you know, maybe the whole thing is going to fall apart. Yeah. And how do you so, have overlay? Because mm-hmm. you've got to bring in the new system. Yeah, on yeah, top of the old do, system. Yeah. I mean, we've I mean, done enough upgrades at, it's at our very, office, so I know how that. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. It's a very non-trivial problem. Let's no, put it that exactly. way. Exactly. But at the end of the day, the companies are not doing their part to ensure a good customer experience all the way through the transaction. Well, I, I guess the airline industry is just—it's a fascinating thing because how do they get their customers 
how do they hold on to their customers and how does that affect the way they do business? Because that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. It, it, I think most of us can agree that flying is a, is a horrible experience pretty much from beginning to end. And yet we keep giving them money and we keep doing it. Well, do we? I think we have to in some cases. Though. Well, you have right. business flyers that have to fly. Or you've got situations where families across the United States and they driving is just not an option. Yeah, it's not an so option. So they have to fly. Right. But, I mean, we have – how many airlines do we supposedly have? Oh, I think there's – A dozen? Well, you know, you've got all those like little ones you've like – I mean, like, not counting the little ones, right? Because got, like, the little ones, you, there is an alternative. There is to get in the car and drive. But if I'm going to go from California to New Jersey – that you're going to have to fly. That you're going to have to fly. You're not getting on a train for a week. No. Um, and you're not going to drive most of the time. So you have to fly. But when I go to buy a ticket, they're all exactly the same to me. Yeah. By the way, if you're a frequent flyer, then you have a little bit of motivation because then you get miles with an airline. But I'm not a frequent flyer, so I don't even have that motivation. So literally none of them, they're all equally bad to me. Not one of them in the last 20 years that I can think of ever was somehow elevated above the others because of better service or anything else. They're all equally bad and they're all equally charging you for everything. They don't even, you know, okay. Can I rant for a second? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, okay. Here's one thing. I can't remember which airline this is. It's one of the majors though. There's this thing now, and maybe they all do this. I don't know where you're in the plane and you know, they got the loudspeakers and normally on the loudspeakers is when the captain is talking. And if you're listening to headphones or whatever, it overrides that, right? So you cannot not listen to the loudspeakers and they're usually really loud. Normally it's, this is the captain speaking and you know, we'll be landing in 20 minutes, whatever. Well, they've started this thing now where one of the flight attendants gets on the loudspeaker that you cannot turn off. You do not, you cannot control the volume. And she goes on a 10 minute sales pitch for their credit card. Oh gosh. I haven't had that happen. I'm going to tell you. That would have been so it, annoying. It is horrible. You're like, I was just sleeping. I was perfect. Like my movie was at the perfect point. And you, you can't turn it off. And of course, you know, she gets on there and says, oh, well, if you sign up now, then you get, you know, a thousand free miles, whatever. And every time. I this has happened I want to say three or four times now over the last few years. Somebody on that plane I see take the application and fill it out. So it's highly it's working. It's highly effective. And I don't know if the flight attendant gets, you know, a kickback too, but the point is we are totally captured and forced into the sales pitch and I can't think of anything else that's that where you're that imprisoned and forced to listen to a sales pitch. Can you think of anything? Not off the top you, of my head. You literally, you can't even get out of your seat. I've wanted to to put my hand up to the speaker if I could reach it and try to cover this. And it's, I, I don't think that these companies understand the raw anger that this causes in a lot of people like me, for instance. Yes, it is effective. Yes, you are getting some sales. But the other people, what if you already had the card? Well, I think what you're talking about here is an intrusion in your your what your your noise level. It's yeah, it's an and, intrusion in my noise. It, and so but the, a lot of people are sensitive to noises. Yeah, to the noise. And you can't control it, but just the experience is so terrible. It's such a maddening, frustrating 
angering experience. And the airline doesn't care. No, the airline does not care. They don't care. Well, this is this is the heart of the matter, and it's it's whether or not you feel like you're being cared for. And right. I'll tell you an experience with um with my dad. This was oh, during yeah, during the peak of COVID. He had to do no, it wasn't the peak because things were closed down. Yeah, it was like on the second half of it, wasn't it? Yeah, but people or the airlines were still heavy masking. Yeah. And so he's on the airplane and he had a mask on that wasn't fitting him very well to, through no fault of his own. He's not an anti-masker. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's just pretty easy. He'd rather not wear one, but he's he's also fine wearing his mask. Right. But his mask just wasn't fit, fitting him very well. And he was on the airplane and uh, the mask was sliding down under his nose. And he was kind of pulling it back up and an, an attendant sort of zeroed in on him and you know, yelled at him, pull your mask up. He's like, oh, my gosh, OK, I'll pull my mask up. And this happened, I think, two times, because once the guy saw it sliding off his nose one time, he sort of wanted to make him a target. Right. He slid up again, yelled at him, you know, put it back on. And so he was then drinking a soda, and he had the straw um, that he was you know, drinking the soda. And, and so he had to have the mask pulled down, and the guy came over and yelled at him <laughs> to pull his mask up. And he's like, I'm drinking the soda. He's like, you got to put the mask up between sips. And again, I, I want to preface this by saying that my dad is not a uh, no, combative personality. I can vouch for this. Her, yeah. her dad is nothing. In fact, he's a very amiable guy. He, he's not, um, he's like the opposite of me. Like I, I, I can sometimes get confrontational no, just for that. He is 100% not that guy. And, and also just, he's a friendly person. Yeah. He's just nice. Very, very yeah. nice. And, and he's, friendly. and, and I think he's generally compliant and yeah, things like this. He's absolutely. Not, he's so not this, looking to. I don't, I want to make sure we're painting a picture of someone yeah. being targeted and he was, and then the next time the guy, you know, was very, very hot headed. He was drinking out of a soda. You need to pull your mask up. He's like, I'm, I'm drinking my soda. I said, and then, and then at that point, there was so much tension in the air. He tried to bring levity to the situation. He said, like, well, am I supposed to drink my soda with my, <laughs> with my thing over my mouth like this? And he like demonstrated it, but he, he uh, his intention was to bring levity and kind of break the guy out of his anger cycle. Right. And it caused a totally opposite reaction and the guy just went he was he lost it at that point pull your mask up but then (laughs) nothing more was said he finished his soda gets off the plane and he finds out that he's been put on the no fly list for alaska airlines unbelievable for a month thank goodness he was at the end of his trip because when you're put on the note when he wouldn't be able to get back home he wouldn't have been able to get back home so this was at the he was flying home at this point if he would have been switching planes and, you know, uh, had a layover and then was getting back on an Alaska Airlines flight, he would have not been able to get on it, mid-flight. And if he had finished a flight to not to his home destination, but to the mid-destination, he would not have been able to get home on Alaska Airlines. <laughs> but what makes this matter, what, what makes this such a big deal is that he at this point had, he was a over a million frequent flyer miles. Yeah, he flies a lot. With Alaska. Yeah. A million, over a million. So he's the definition of a loyal, valuable, not just loyal, but a valuable customer because of how much he flies. Yes. He sent a letter to Alaska Airlines saying, look, you put me on the no fly list for this. He just, he described the whole incident Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a, I have a million miles. Like I am, I am, I'm the president of a company. (laughs) I made like this, you need to 
fix the situation. And the response he got back was completely uh, just. I think it was something like, well, we support our staff. And, and if that's the It was way- like a response from a bot. Yeah. It wasn't even a, he wrote it to the president right. of Alaska Airlines. And it, the response back was just, was so weak. And we, yeah, we support our staff. And that was it. And so yeah. the point, th- th- there are so many stories that happened with masks and COVID. So that that was just an illustration. The bigger demonstration was that he was a loyal customer. Mm-hmm. And they the response back to him was like, we don't care. Yeah, We don't care. I don't care. You could have 100 million miles. You don't matter to us. Related to this, I think one of the problems with customer service is that a lot of uh, employees have essentially power trips because they know they can con- they have complete control of the situation. And if you have the wrong kind of employee in charge of managing a situation, they're going to fall into humanity's baser <laughs> uh, patterns of behavior. And I think this guy, it sounds like the uh, the flight attendant, I mean, he's probably just having a, uh, he wanted to be a control freak. He he was, because he, he targeted him from the moment he got on the plane and his, his mask was sliding down. And I, I, he was a target. I feel like, and, and maybe listeners can <laughs> chime in on this, but I feel like most of flying revolves around the control that various entities and individuals have over us in this whole process. Because as soon as you go into that security line, basically as soon as you go into the airport, your behavior is so tightly constrained. You can do so little. You can't argue. You can't complain. You can't really do anything without essentially getting quote unquote in trouble. And some people like to enjoy lording that over you. And taking advantage of you, everything from a TSA employee to, in this case, a flight attendant, you name it. They have, imagine somebody who just has a bad day and they just want to take it out on somebody. Well, unfortunately, in the way we manage flying in our country now, they can actually harm you in your life beyond just having a bad experience. You know, he he gets on a no-fly list. Well, yeah, I mean, thank that, goodness he wasn't flying that, that out. Or, you know, he could have gone to another air, airline after that, but, you know, he f- frequently goes to the Pacific Northwest. And so that, you know, that's a very common carrier mm-hmm. for that area of the country. Yeah, but it could have been elevated past that. It, it could have could, been, yeah. Could, it, could have, it could have gone beyond the company. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, and just, to, just to clarify, this is the company no-fly list, not, yeah, not, not, a, n- not a, like, federal no-fly list. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but imagine, imagine though, if that uh, employee had then complained to TSA that he was an unruly passenger. Yeah, no, it, it could have escalated beyond a point that yeah. was like you can't and how get you, back from it. And, and how do you how do you defend yourself under those circumstances? I think you're going to get the same basic kind of response. Well, we support our if if our staff says this is what happened, then that's what we're going to go with. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just I think a lot of customer service problems revolve around this. When you're when you're calling the cable company, the guy you're talking to there has a lot of power how he's gonna manage this situation. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if you ever said, Well, let me speak to your supervisor <laughs> and then some other person gets on the phone 
pretending to be the supervisor who clearly isn't. They just hand it to somebody else in the cubicle next to them. They're like, act like my supervisor for 30 seconds. And they're covering for each other. It's just, uh, maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much is done online and and over the phone nowadays that you don't have that person-to-person experience. But all of these things are conspiring to make basic customer service just terrible. (laughs) Well, and also, let's get into the specific terminology. We've got customer service, we have customer care, and we have customer experience, and they all are sort of different. Oh, yeah, I guess you could say they're all, to me, they're all kind of in the same way. Well, customer service, technically, it can happen during the transaction, but technically, it's what follows after. Okay. In most of the time. Customer care is what's happening possibly during the interaction. So they say interaction with the brand, but that could be whatever way the individual, the customer is encountering the brand. Mm -hmm. could be online. It could be walking into a store and yeah, you're, you're, you want to buy some clothes or the, are the clothes easy to find or, but then you've got a customer, customer experience and that's the entire transaction from beginning to end Mm -hmm. from I'm going to buy an appliance at the appliance store. I'm going into the appliance store. Can I find the appliance? Is someone saying hello to me mm-hmm. when I walk in the store? I mean, I if I walk into a store and I'm not acknowledged and I see that the staff is available to acknowledge, sometimes they are so overworked or, uh, sorry, understaffed or they just have a, they're, for some reason, they're too busy to actually say hello when you walk in the door. Assuming there is someone available to say hi to me and they don't acknowledge me, it makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm ready to just dump cash into your cash register. Can you at least say hi to me first? So anyway, you walk in the store, you want the acknowledgement, you want to be able to find the item that you're looking for without having to walk up and down the aisles. And in some cases, listening to loudspeaker, beeping, all kinds of stuff, you know, something if the store is really loud, you just want to get to your item, you want to be able to stand in line, buy the item, take it home, say the item's broken, you want to be able to call someone to help you fix it and get it replaced. All low struggle. So they say the best customer experience is has a you you don't have to work very hard as a customer to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And when you when you have barriers to each of those steps, then your entire experience goes down. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, then I would like to do you have any theories as to why um I mean if we're going to go along with the premise that uh, customer service in its various iterations here yeah. has gotten generally speaking worse over the years. Why, what is the cause of that? Gosh, there's different theories of why it's going down and people are saying, okay, people are overworked. It like lately, if you go into a lot of restaurants, they don't have enough people on, they don't have enough staff on the floor. You've got all these people coming in. There's not enough staff on the floor. So you've got waiters and waitresses the you know service staff that have too many tables so they can't get back they can't get back to refill the water they're not getting to your table fast enough to ask you if you want to refill they take forever to take your initial order because they just they're one person to however many tables it's too many tables so you've got that you've got possibly underpaid they're they don't care enough about their job it, it's it doesn't mean enough to them to do a good job because they know they're not making as much money as they want. And there may be another job that could be waiting in the wings for them. There's uh, people that are overqualified. Maybe they, they feel like they're too big for this job. 
they were like, ah, this is, I could be doing something else. I'm doing this, but I'm, I'm way overqualified for this job. It just doesn't mean anything. There, there's not a good fit. Uh, you've got part-time people, a lot of part-time people sort of not taking ownership of their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually uh, just heard from someone that the vibe at a, we have a local grocery store. I'm not going to name it. Um, that you know the vibe really changed because this particular store started hiring so many part time employees, and the employees didn't know each other as much. They there was a lot of training that they kept having to do. This was a grocery store, you said. This is a local grocery store. Yeah, they kept having to uh, um, train new people as they're coming in, and the these the part-time employees weren't caring as much about their job because they were cycling through it a lot quicker it wasn't it wasn't a career choice for them and the outcome then is that the customers are coming in aren't treated very well because the cus- the employees themselves either don't understand their job don't care about their job or are just frantically trying to do their job okay so or you just have rude people i mean so i'm going to go into my speculation yeah here. speculate those are reasons but i I think there. I want to. I want to try to give a, a better explanation rather than these are kind of superficial to me. The big thrust, uh, I believe, as to what's going on here, is that the loss of small businesses is what's causing this. All these companies are, by and large, large companies. Okay, where they they have corporate headquarters in another state, and. There is very little connection between the owners of the business and their customer base. The customers are really just, you know, they they have statistics that says we're going to sell this much of this thing. And they just don't care. There's no relationship between the owners and the customer. And that filters into the management because most of these problems we're, we're discussing probably could be fixed with, with good management. But you're not going to have good management if the owners don't care to uh, inculcate good management, good managers, and 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 pay what they what they would be worth. And I think that's the real problem here. If the grocery store was a small local grocery store, I suspect that the owner wouldn't stand for what you're describing there. And in most cases, a small business, the way that you want to differentiate yourself is to create the relationship with the customers and to and to keep them happy and keep them wanting to come back to make their experience such that they can't wait to have the next experience. And then of course they'll share that information with their friends and neighbors and everything else too. Oh yeah. You need to go to a, a plumber or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll use this. This guy's great. That is evaporated at the pace that small businesses are evaporating. I think I feel like that's what's going on. It's akin to that whole thing where bureaucracies just don't service individuals well. They're just they're not set up for it. A very large company is not set up for that. There is, by the way, an interesting exception to this, and it's Amazon. One of the secrets to Amazon's success, in my opinion, is that when you buy something there, they make returns effortless. Um, they do. It is so easy. It to is so, the customer experience. If you think about it, even though they're this big <laughs> mega, it's great. As a matter of fact, I'd I'd go so far to say that Amazon could lower their customer service dramatically, and it probably wouldn't make a big impact on their bottom line because nobody can really do what they do at the scale that they do it 
at the speed that they, that they do it, at least right now. But my point is that they are the exception to the rule because most large organizations, they just don't operate this way. You just become a, a cog in the wheel. And the employees feel exactly the same way. And they have no motivation to have a relationship with you. I mean, this, this grocery store you're talking about where they're hiring part-time employees. If you think about what a grocery store is, that is by, its, by definition a very frequented uh, neighborhood store. So the same people are going to go there every week, maybe in some cases every day. You would normally create a relationship between the staff and the management and those customers. If you destroy that relationship or the opportunity to create that relationship, you have vastly ruined the customer experience in the long run. Well, it filters down. To yeah, because the- like you said, those part-time employees, they're not there often enough. Or at the same times, right? Maybe they're only they're there Tuesday this week, Wednesday, this, so they're never going to see the same people. The hours are changing, so it's not just that they're part time; it's that they're irregular in their schedule to boot. Yeah, you and cannot create relationships with customer bases on 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 a store like that that way. It's just not possible. No, it's not. And so then I don't know. If, I don't know if we're talking about the same store, but I went into one of the local grocery stores, and. I stood at the deli counter. The guy was clearly overworked. Uh, it was just one guy there. And there was a big long line of us, you know, waiting for whatever we're waiting for. And then a, a fellow employee comes in <laughs> and says, uh, well, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I know you're overworked and everything, but, um, yeah, I'll see you later. Goodbye. And he just leaves. And you could just see the guy who was there stuck by himself. He was, he was just so upset. He's wanting to do the right thing and, and keep everybody happy. But the management and the staff there just couldn't care less. Well, it sounds like they didn't create a – they don't have a situation where the other employee would have a desire to yeah, stay right. and help the other right. and, and that is a management problem, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, and a staffing man- issue if you, if, you're not, if you don't have enough well, money to pay for people and in, all that kind of stuff. Depending on the store, though, it's also a union issue because sometimes be, yeah. you can't work beyond your allotted hours yeah. in a day. Right. So maybe he might have met his maximum and didn't have a choice. Yeah, well, it didn't, it, it he was very like, flippant about it. It doesn't so. sound like you, what you yeah. witnessed, yeah. that was I mean, the case. If but that was that, the case, he certainly had no, he didn't care. He didn't care. <laughs> but, but what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because he might have been become so accustomed to just leaving because his hours are over, mm-hmm. because the union has said that that's what happens, or whatever the reasoning is, the management, you don't ever stay because we don't want to pay overtime. So he doesn't even care at that point yeah. he's lost all desire to be an extra helper beyond his his hours right because or maybe he's been used in the past maybe he used to do that and yeah and, and he and he's already and been he, soured because and he wasn't rewarded his, for it or he wasn't acknowledged for it again that's a management problem absolutely and i do find generally speaking very poor management at most uh, retail establishments these days uh, and often at, at restaurants as well they're just they're just poorly managed. I mean, you could just see that they're 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 badly managed, um, or just weird things. Like I, I have an issue with sitting in a good place in a restaurant. I don't want to be put right by the kitchen. Right. That's sort of a no. You no one wants to be by the kitchen. It's loud. They're clanking. That waiters and waitresses are walking right past you. It's clanky, and it's considered the worst spot in the restaurant. Sure. And so it's an open restaurant. You have a reservation. 
and the hostess takes you right to the worst spot first. Yeah, if, if somebody is calling for a reservation, do not put them at a bad table. This has happened to us over and over again. <laughs> and my family knows, of course, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, or I'm not even going to sit down. I'm going to say, kindly, not rudely, may we have the table over by the window, mm-hmm. please. And and then we're moved. And And it's like, why didn't that happen first? Why didn't you just take me to the best spot since that restaurant's empty? Why didn't you start with the best one first instead of the worst one? Yeah, because the thing is, if it was packed, then you just go where you got to go. Then, then at least the customer, you know, and you could be, you know, I would, I've never managed a restaurant, but I imagine I would, I would tell my people, say, hey, you know, this is the only one we have available. If you want to wait a little longer, we can wait for a better table. But if you don't mind, um, we can seat you here. And that's, you know, those are, that's, that's lang- a very simple solution. But again, that's language that is learned through proper management. Correct. Yeah. So that's exactly yeah. right. You, Cause a lot of these people are young, you know, they're young unskilled labor in a lot of the kind of things we're talking about yeah. here. And so you have to teach them. They're not going to, most of the time, they're not going to know how to handle this situation. So, so you need to teach them that. And that's part of the management thing. And if they don't want to play ball, then you, you know, replace them. Although, as was pointed out here, um, especially here in California right now, uh, restaurants just, they can't staff anybody. And they cannot staff. We, and I, 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 I've heard some theories on that from, um, everything from they're not paying enough to they they actually make more on unemployment. Yeah. Uh, or on, I don't know, different kinds of assistance programs than they can make doing the job. So they'd rather just do that. Yeah, we had a local restaurant. Uh, my husband took my daughter, went to attempt to take my daughter to the other day, middle of the day on a Friday, a place that serves lunch. It's a pizza place. And they showed up at the door and they said they were closed for no staff. Yeah. Hey, how, how do you not have staff for the middle of the week? Well, I, th- this is what I've what heard is happening? Uh, from people in the in the in the restaurant business that they can't nobody they can't get anybody. Yeah, but because nobody because well, that's the question. Yeah, like, in order. For, well, and that, everyone's asking that question. Yeah, so this is not that's not we're not in the order first to make to. money as a restaurant, right? Yeah. You have to you know balance the costs of food Absolutely. and labor with the rent and the overhead, and it seems like the the wait staff are not willing to work for what can be offered by these businesses for them to maintain a, a minimum level of profitability. Yeah. That's what seems like what's happening. So why why is that occurring? I mean, I don't know, but one of the theories like I said is that they, especially on the lower scale wait staff on a let's say you you're dealing with a restaurant where your the value per table is not particularly high, so therefore the tips aren't going to be particularly high. Those people make as much, maybe even more money not working in some cases than doing that job. So why would they do that job? And especially, you know, restaurant, that, that can be a pretty stressful, busy kind of job. Some people like that. Some people don't. But um, it's not something where you're just sitting on your butt uh, for, the, for the eight hours or whatever you're doing. No, you are hustling. You're, you're hustling. Time. And I don't know if that's true, but that's a common theory that I'm hearing from people in and associated with the restaurant industry around here. And well, if that's true, I don't know. How do you fix? I mean, I don't know because I think we've we've somehow we are in an era of a lack of care, and so even I think twenty years ago, if you had a shift, you would go into that shift. You it wouldn't really cross your mind just to not show up, well, well, or to not, or if well, there was a job available, you would take it. Well, I yes, maybe, but 
I think you would be worried about getting fired. You, absolutely. <laughs> so the problem now seems to be, as I've, I've heard from some of these people, is that they don't care if they get fired. Yeah. So that's why they just don't, like, if they don't feel like going in, they just don't go in and like, oh, okay, well, I guess I, I'm suspended or I'm fired or whatever. Big deal. And, they didn't and really back want the in the day, that just is horrifying. It would have been a horrifying experience. I couldn't even imagine yeah. just not showing up. Yeah. And, and you know, trying to go through the whole process of finding another job because, I mean, when we were younger, it always felt like somebody else was right there ready to take your job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and now that doesn't seem to be a case in a lot of these these businesses. And so now these companies are holding on to marginal employees uh, in some cases. They can't feel like they can't fire them because then they wouldn't have anybody there. They'd have to do like what the pizza place had to do was shut down for a shift or a day or whatever. Well, business is not going to stay in business for very long doing that. And restaurants are one of those small, generally speaking, uh, small business type of businesses. They're not always these big conglomerates. I mean, a lot of them are, but yeah. a lot of them aren't in that business. So you can't afford to shut down. No, I mean, you still have to pay your rent. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a certain amount of – you've got cash. You've got income. You've got to make a minimum income. Exactly. <laughs> on a monthly basis right. to stay afloat. So I, I don't know how that's sustainable. But, I mean, really, we've just talked about, you know, one industry and we've talked about bad employees that are flaky or um, maybe have power trips. What if? What about in just places where you encounter people who are just rude? Like, I just – they're just not friendly just in general. They they have a job that's full-time. I, I, I went to a doctor's office and I, I've gone there twice and – the first time I thought it was a fluke, the second time I knew there was a problem, the lady at the front desk is it was a rude individual. Mm-hmm. She was unpleasant. Was this uh, owned by the doctor? It's a practice of a doctor? Or it was it... a group, so it wasn't... How big, how many offices do they have? I don't know how many offices they have. Uh, it wasn't a giant group. I don't know. Maybe they have a couple locations. I think there might have been uh, seven doctors in this group. Uh, one front desk, you know, three employees uh, at the front desk. And sh- this was the main lady. And and even the second time I was there, I was like, how does this, how is this lady running the show? Because she's unpleasant. She's, she was, she slammed a thing. She didn't look, she didn't even give me eye contact when she put the thing down for me to sign in. She sort of just set it there. But the weird thing was is that she turned to her coworker who had just got back from lunch and was very pleasant with her. And was like, "How was your lunch? What'd you get?" Was chatting with her, so friendly, and then couldn't I, I so actually, what what is happening there? It's well, so confusing to me. This is a, a a thing that does occur in some businesses. It's the us versus them mentality. So the employees they they're it's us versus them, which is the public slash customer base or whatever. I, this is something I, I see a lot in hospitals, actually. I, I don't know that I've seen it in a doctor's office before, but certainly in hospitals, you see this where the nursing staff in poorly run hospitals can act like the public is just an, a frustrating nuisance for them, whereas the opposite should be the case. And Well, the whole reason anyone is there is for the customer. Without the customer, nothing else exists. Right. But they they don't look at it that way. And and I and I want to be very clear. This doesn't mean the customer has the right to run roughshod over Oh no, anybody. of course not. No, no. At all. No. It is a 
it is a, I believe, a one-to-one relationship. In fact, I, I am one of those, I can't remember, somebody wrote a, a book or article or something that talked about how uh, that phrase, the customer is always right, is just total crap. And I, I do. I agree with I, I that. I agree with that because yeah. it's not the case. There, there are obviously customers who are completely unreasonable and should not be catered to. I mean, you have to kind of be strategic about it as a business owner, but it doesn't mean they get an automatic whatever you want if you're being unreasonable. Uh, that said, there the pendulum has swung so far. It seems like in most cases that we are just being treated very poorly just out of the gate. And it is. It's right out of the gate. It's, right there, out is, of the gate. there was not even like a, not even pretending. No, there's, there's like not very much pretending. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I've often found myself in, in the position opposite what I'd expect. There were, I, as the customer, am trying to win over the staff or the employee of the business that I'm working with. Please let me do business with whereas, you. Whereas you would think it would be the other way around, <laughs> no, where, where they're trying to make sure, okay, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. But now it's the opposite. It's like, oh, please, I mean, you know, will you be nice to me? Will you, will you have pity on me, the poor customer? What a horrible position for us to be in. It's it's so backwards. <laughs> I We have this, uh, there's a local bakery that we would... When my kids were at a certain school, there was a local bakery we'd always stop by on the way home. And we'd go into the bakery, and there was a gal that was working in there. And her, um, we'll just, call, I'm going to call her Stacy. Actually, no, we, we, I don't know what her name was, but we called her Stacy. We never actually got her name, but to us, she was Stacy. <laughs> you just assigned her that name. We assigned her that name. <laughs> okay. No, but this is good. We had to just make up a, a name for her. And, um, Sorry to all the Stacys out there. Yes. No, no, no. This is a good thing for Stacys. Okay. All right. She was so nice. She was just, every time we went in there, is Stacy working? And she would let us sample things. She would ask us, do you, I notice that you always get this. Do you think you want this? And then maybe she'd, a couple times she'd give stuff for free. I'm just going to stick that in there because I just know that you need this. Like I'd already pay. And then she's like, I'm going to stick one more thing in there. You can just get it next time. Or, And it was, it was so, she was so exuberant. She was like over the top almost. And so we called her, <laughs> this is our little family thing, but we called it the Stacy factor. And so whenever oh, okay. after that, any restaurant we'd go into, we'd rate it. What was the Stacy factor? Oh, that's that's cool. And was it a ten? Was it a Stacy factor ten? <laughs> and then we're like, okay, we got to go back in there. And then like, if the Stacy factor was down at like one, we're like, oh my yeah, gosh, never again, never again. But she was our, she was like our benchmark <laughs> of what was con- what we considered to be really good service. And so, even this is years ago, but even. Today, we could go in and say, oh, my gosh, that was a Stacy mm-hmm. 10. Mm-hmm. And we would all know, like, this person, they were friendly. They looked me in the eye. They cared about what I wanted. I wanted to give them money. At the end, on my little tip receipt, I put the highest tip I could put. And it was just this very mutually beneficial two-way relationship. Mm-hmm. You gave them a tip. They smiled at you. You walked out of there. You felt like, oh my gosh, I just spent a hundred bucks on bakery goods, and I am happy about it. Right. <laughs> you know, so I hundred. Spent a hundred bucks on something that's going to be stale in twenty four yeah, hours. Yeah, Stacy talked happy. me into so much, <laughs> but I don't even care because her smile was so big. And so I think that it matters. It matters. You want to be seen. You want to be heard by where you're going. And it's it. 
when you even say it out loud, it almost sounds so trivial. But since we are having these interactions with people that we don't know all day long, that it, it actually does matter. Well, and we I wonder, should care about it. Maybe it matters even more in this era where so much is done online and, you know, by Amazon. So you don't go into the store as much anymore. Maybe the interactions you do have are even that much more important, at least the ones in person. And so when you have a good one, it, it really, really sticks out. So, okay, let me ask this. Is there anything that we can do as customers to make it better? I think we can be nice. I mean, we can... Do you, do you think that the average customer isn't uh, as nice as they should be or as pleasant as they should be? Or do you even have any... I don't have any insight into insight that. Although, you know, I, I've seen rude behavior and you're like, gosh, you didn't even really need to, you know, that, that was not necessary. But it's not, that could be just a one-off, right? Yeah. You don't need to go into a restaurant and be complacent about being seated at the wrong table. And then if you a- ask to move, my kids used to be uncomfortable with that. They thought that was, wait, you know, I don't want to, we don't want to <laughs> like, you know, well, kids ups- are always like- <laughs> upset people. I said, no, if you are polite, it's okay to ask for something different. It's when you are when you are not polite. Yeah, don't be passive aggressive about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, but I think I think that that's what we can do. We can try. There used to be a gentleman at the library years and years ago. He was so sour. It was a, every time I went in there, I said, "I am going to get this guy to talk to me." <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I did. I made it a game because he. It was un. Was it he, was, he worked there. He worked there. So I, you had to I, for years. We were at the library in um, was one. It a, pu- a public library. Public library. What did he do there? He was the person who checked out your books. So he's the guy at the counter. Guy there. at the counter. It was. It would be like I said. I made it a game after a while because I couldn't believe how sour <laughs> he was. And I and I I made it a point. How are you? How are you today? What's going on? Actually, so this is an idea we can offer people. Yeah. Because I never even thought about this, but. What about the next time you go into a store, no matter what it is, see how happy you can make the checker or the employee or or whatever. That's not a bad thing to do. There was maybe one time that he responded. The rest of the time he would just, he would almost not even, he would look at me and not even respond and like walk away. So he did did make eye contact. He would make eye contact. I didn't know if he didn't like his job. It was very... And this went Strange. on for years? Years. Because oh he, he would. This he sounds was, like the makings of a short story. He was there 75% of the time right. at the front desk when I'd go get books. So and you he, did get a reaction out of him once? One time. Do you remember uh, what it took to? Just rip, just persistent behavior. Of, but I mean, what, what was it that particular time that you think got him? I think it was just the. I think I always asked him the same thing. It was, how are you today? How's it going? Um, what do you think of this book? You know, or because it was always kids' books, but yeah. still, I would as ask him sort of Monday. I don't remember the specific thing, but it was oh, one because okay. it's been years now. But it took years to work on. Ah, it's a shame you don't remember what it was. But the thing is, I don't think that it was even a memorable thing. I think it was the day. Maybe just he, maybe. Maybe he just had a good day that day. Yeah. yeah, but I but we talked about it so much. Myself, I, me, and the kids talked about him so much. What's making him so sour? Why does he? Why does he work at a job where he has to interact with customers when clearly that's not his interest? He should be, um, if he wants to be working in the library system, like be in the central circulation or something, not the face of the library handing out, you know, the library books. Right. 
it was more of a fascinating case study. I, I That's how I started to look at it. The first couple of times you're kind of like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? But enough time goes by and you're like, wow. Yeah, but what I'm saying is we could, we as a as a society, we could just, we could just start doing that always. Yeah. Since we kind of assume that our experiences are generally going to be relatively meager at best, <laughs> why not just, before you even leave the house, you tell yourself, okay, no matter who I see at the store there. Put on a happy face. I'm, I'm going to actually try to make them feel good for a change. I think that's it's just, it's just well. I think I don't mean to sound you know overly moralistic or anything about it, but it's just that actually gives us something we can do. What does to it try give you to improve a, yeah. the experience? Gives yourself some. Gives you some control. Gives you a little over, bit of over control, the, and maybe it would fail, but yeah. at least you you know you could definitely know that it wasn't your your fault why everything went went to hell there. Yeah. And, you know, in one-on-one situations where the system is not against you, because I think in certain cases, the system is against the customer. But in the cases where the system is not against the customer, like say in a grocery store and you're in the checkout line, if the the cashier just is had a bad moment and you smile at her, yeah, you can definitely turn things. I think you'd turn that ship around. But if the system is against you altogether... It's very hard to put on a happy yeah, face right. in that situation. I mean, I just was uh, sort of asking some friends about various things that they've come up against. And one friend got back to me right away and she said, I'm trying to renew my teacher's license in the state that I live in. She lives does not live in my state. And uh, my renewal date is looming in the future. And I'm going online. You're supposed to do it online. I can't renew it because I've been locked out of my account. <sighs> I can't get my them to unlock my account because I they won't accept emails or phone calls because they're so busy and overworked. So she's trying every day. She sent she's got all these no office she can go to. This is in a state that's maybe where the office is not nearby. So I don't I don't think so. I don't think it's easy just to go to an office. So this this calendar date is approaching. So she's saving all these emails of trying to get through to make sure that there's a record of her trying to get this license renewed. And this particular state is a teacher shortage. And so it's simple things like that. And, you know, I will say going to the location isn't always doesn't always work. I don't know about in this state, but I know in um, one part of my job, I've got to interact with the state. I don't live in Washington, but I'd interact with the uh, state of Washington with their online uh, tax revenue site. And... They had, just until recently, they've had, our offices are closed to the public due to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You can get all you need online. So maybe you could live in a state where you couldn't even go to the office. The office isn't even open if there was one next to you. Okay, I have a rant. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of, you can get everything online. Now, I don't know if it's just me. I would would love to hear if other people agree with me, but... If I call the cable company because I have a problem, their little automated, here are the hints, never work. And the reason I'm calling is because none of those things worked in the first place. So why am I, while I'm on hold waiting my 10 minutes or what? whatever it is, do I have to hear you tell me over and over Try to go and over again how all the answers to my questions and problems are on your website? Yeah. 
No, that that in my reading, that was a huge issue. I know that they think that they they've looked at. I assume that they've done this due diligence, where they said, "Okay, well, of all of the tech support questions we've had for the cable company." 80% of them are these simple five steps that could have solved it. Therefore, we're going to make sure we push that for the 80%. Maybe that was true when you first did that. <laughs> but now since all of that stuff's on the website or it's on the sticker of the cable box or whatever, now the 20% people are calling about the 20% that wasn't, you know, that isn't <laughs> that isn't there. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a tech guy, so you know you can color that a little bit here. But I am I am okay. Here's a better example: American Express. If I call them, their little automated thing is never what I'm calling about. It's never there, so I have to immediately start talk to the operator or whatever. You got to talk to it. Well, first you got to talk to the AI, right? You right, gotta, yeah. and so you have to get through that. And it's just none of these systems, in my life experience ever are helpful. They're only annoyances. And so by the time you get to a human, you're already really frustrated. <laughs> well, yeah. And then that that's where I'm just saying that the system is against you. That's, you know, compared to the checkout, the grocery clerk, you know, where you can put on a happy face as the system is not against you. In the situation you're describing, the system is so against you yeah, but, that by the time you get through it, you're, you're but it's so... not meant to be. I think originally, when these people create these systems, they think they're they're helping us because rather than you have to wait for the operator, the attendant, I don't know, the support agent, whatever, the your 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 problem might be just one of these five simple things. <laughs> so they're they're saving us time. They think by saying, "Hey, did you try this? Did you reboot the modem? <laughs> whatever the things are." But in my experience. Those are never the solutions to my problem, or my problem is never in that list of things to begin with. Or maybe it starts, and then it, you veer off into another. Veer, yeah, but the thing is, I do believe that they're trying, they think that they're helping us by setting up these systems and and trying to get the, the, the majority of the problems of these things. But I, Well, one thing, I, I was reading about that, and so uh, in a lot of cases, what they're trying to do is take what people call in customer service calls, and they record them. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to come up with, you know, the top tier of problems that people call for, mm -hmm. and then take those top tier items, move them to the website. But, a, but one of the issues is that they might then move them to the website and use language that people aren't, this wouldn't be you in your case, but right. use language that that's too difficult understand, to right. understand. Right. And so simply changing words on the website, making them more understandable, uh, and not just focusing on the top tier items, having a lot more stuff on the website. And for me personally, and I don't know that you would be someone who would be interested. I like the chat bot who comes on. Yes. I okay. Depending usually on, yeah, have that success with the chat bot. The chat bot can actually be useful sometimes. Um, because, and the reason is because you have the ability to ask a question. Yes. You know, the problem with, with, uh, you know, try one of these five steps or whatever, you have no, it's just one-way communication. So you can't ask questions because yeah. what if it says something like, did you reboot your modem? Well, what if you don't know how to do that? Well, yeah, and that <laughs> then know? that comes into the the, the – sometimes it's language or directions that people mm -hmm. are, are not familiar with. So they right. can't even 
It's not that it's not helpful because it's not there, like in your case. It's that they can't even understand they what that understand. language is. And but that's, so, so that's why the chat is useful because then you yes. can ask that question. If the guy says, well, did you reboot your modem? You can say, oh, well, what's a modem <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of cases, the initial engagement on the chat bot is not even a real person. No, no, it's not. Yeah. I, I, that's for sure not. But and then, but they, it goes into a queue. And yeah. Then, yeah. That, but the, they'll eventually, you'll eventually end up with a human when the, when the questions get too complicated yes yeah well or you get a person right away but the very first thing is you're just in a queue waiting and and maybe they've yeah there's a little AI, but yeah some of them could be much more sophisticated and go through a series of questions before you get to the but you you know i'm sure somebody's studied this there is a limit to how many questions you can how many how many of those ai questions you can ask before the customer is just going to get furious yeah and it's not very many well, especially if the person's already it depends on how crucial the problem is to solve. Like how how quickly does it how need to be solved, it is. and how du- how directed the questions are. It's just there's just no substitute. It is so much more efficient for a human to get involved in the vast majority of cases, but humans are expensive, <laughs> so that's why they're trying to do these other methods. Mm-hmm. Here, here are the top five answers to your questions. On our website, but, but if you're like in the front in the situation, like my friend, she can't even get into the website. Oh no, that that that. And then you're, you're that's an atrocious situation there, and that part of that is a bureaucratic it. problem. Well, because yeah, because that who owns that problem and who can you call? The you, government. You, yeah, you, yeah, right. So that's <laughs> you the, know how we feel about that. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. There. And, and and that's always the case in those kind of organizations. Yeah. And even on the off chance that you get a, a really competent. Uh, director, executive, manager, whatever, in those industries, they're not going to stay there for long because they're so competent <laughs> that they're going to be yeah. moved up or into another area. So those situations don't last long. At least it doesn't seem that way to me. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. Did we rant? We kind of did. Too much? No, we kind of did. I wanted to do just a speak to just some specifics, and then I was going to do a final discussion of what okay. happened to me okay and just how this all came about all right but some specifics there there is something called the cx index score and that's put out by a company called forrester they customer do customer experience score it's the customer experience score they measure this it's come it comes out the last one was in june 2022 do they measure companies they measure companies and so they have got uh it's Part of their what they do is proprietary. However, they they look at what they call brands, companies, and they measure. Um, do you hire them to? Evaluate? You can hire them. Yeah. So their advertisement is that you hire them to include to determine what your CX score is. Yes, so can, exactly. Problem exactly. And so they're measuring quality. So they're wait, measuring- wait. This isn't those people. Every time I go on to Dell or HP.com and it says, "We're interested in your opinion." I don't know. Well, next time you go on there. Because let me tell you, that is a bad customer. Those are annoying. <laughs> well, maybe things. then that's the problem. Every like, single time I go on these websites, they ask me these questions. Really? And just disclaimer, Aaron is on a lot of tech websites because yeah. that's the business he's in. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, that's okay. So they measure their quality. So they're measuring effectiveness. How effective was the brand at meeting customer needs? Ease. How easy was the brand to work with? Emotion. How did interacting with the brand make the customer feel? Customer loyalty, or that customer loyalty is the next section. Uh, Retention, how likely was the customer to stay with the brand? 
enrichment, how likely is the customer to buy additional products and services, and advocacy, how likely is the customer to recommend the brand. So they break it down. I mean, they they look at a lot of you know parts. How are they getting the data though? Is this is this like what I said where they're doing surveys, or do they have actual people? doing these interactions and then rating. Oh, I would think that these would be surveys. I don't, I don't see, know. I, the, That's the a good surveys question. Is, the problem with surveys is it's such a, it's self-selected sample. Yes. So how accurate is that really? Except that, I mean, I mean they did reveal that, you know, a lot of the brands, the experience drops, not all of them. Apparently banking did not drop, but airlines hotels you mean over time they've gotten worse well they were their... they were at a high in 21 uh-huh. and then they came then they went down in 2022 but the ones we already mentioned a lot airlines hotels which one thing we didn't talk about were was auto manufacturers those went down the banking sector some banking sectors went up or stayed the same well they might have already been so bad <laughs> i mean I, I actually don't know i yeah i don't know my, my banking experience i refuse to do any online banking whatsoever so all my banking is always walking into a branch so as long as i can do that and the teller and the people there are reasonably competent and nice i'm fine you are so old school well, I, well listen if you're in if you're in my industry i know you know how you, dangerous online the tech banking industry is. i know like, i know i know i i just don't think people realize the danger well thing. as i already mentioned in the beginning is that customer loyalty has the most to do with just fulfilling basic promises okay just do your job treat me with normal kindness and um if i have a problem help me fix it mm-hmm. but what you just said about walking into the bank and just having having a teller just help you a basic level of competence competency and courtesy, and, courtesy right. uh, and that's all you need. Right. And that's all most customers need. They don't need a lot of bells and whistles. They want to have a basic transaction with their basic needs filled and walk out of the you – know, leave the transaction feeling like they got what they wanted. Right. And they didn't get battered by someone staring at them in a weird way or you know whatever bad experience happens when you're in the grocery store. Stink so eye. The, so the CX score people mm-hmm. – uh, have identified that auto manufacturers have gone down. Yes, and airlines have gone down, and hotels have gone yes. down. Those are the big, the big industries yeah. that since 2021, you said. Yes, since 2021. So the last, the last year, yeah. or so. so I wonder why auto companies have gone down. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with you know they had the chip problems. They had and supply so issues. They yeah, had a lot of right, supply yeah. issues, and right. so I think. People just could not get traction. They were trying to buy stuff. They're on long wait lists. And there was a lot of, um, what do you call that, price gouging that was going on. Right. The price gouging was, they had where you would go into the dealer and they would have the sticker price and they would have the like drive away price. And in some cases, they're $20,000 to $30,000 higher than the sticker price. If you really want this car. Can you imagine? (laughs) I can't, I can't, I mean. So I have, yeah, that, you, you would walk in, you're like, you're assaulting me. Like, what is happening? There is something Some, verbal assault, really not. annoying about about that. Because they don't do the opposite, right? If they have a glut of a model or whatever, they don't show you the price lower than MSRP that they're willing to go no for. Way. If you want it. If you want the drive off price, right? they only do it if it goes the other direction. Yeah. I mean, my dad has been waiting for a car for over a year. Is he getting something special? No. Really? No. No, it's not a special car. I have to ask him what he's, what he's waiting yeah, for. Yeah. I'll let you ask him. Well, um, I haven't bought a car in 
so long. I mean, at least 10 years. So I'm, I'm out of, I have no clue. All I heard was that this during this COVID era, because of the supply issue that the used car market prices went up quite a bit dramatically because supply was so constrained um, that you, you could buy a, a used, a dealer's used version of the car for the price that it would have been to buy a new one because, you know, well, especially so they were saying they were like Toyotas were like 200,000 miles going for like, you know, that were 15 years old going for, you know, $30,000 Toyota trucks. Can you imagine paying that for a, a car with 200,000 miles? No. I mean, although... But th- that speaks to the level of desperation yeah. for people trying to get cars to get car, who yeah. needed them. And when people were desperate, couldn't get what they want from the manufacturers, then of course, then their satisfaction rating is going to go down. Right. So hotels okay. are on that list. And so that who leads went, me to my Did story. anybody go up? No, I didn't see that anyone went Nobody up. Nobody went up. Okay. They might have. It was not on my list. I didn't. I didn't see that. All right. So, so your story. My story. Yes, and this has to do with uh, hotels. Okay. okay. So we decided very last minute to go to a local ski town. I'm actually going to say we we decided to go to Brian Head, and it's in Utah. Okay. And we decided it was is that this a big uh, ski resort, or is that a? It's a mid level ski resort. It's 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 so it's perfectly mid level where the prices are still. Very reasonable. It's about half the price or even less than going to Mammoth, okay. which is exorbitant. It's about – little skiing saves exorbitant to me. It's a days. little under $200 a day to – Two – a day? A day. 200 Yeah. Whole – that's just for the lift ticket? One person, one lift ticket. Do they charge you for parking too? No. No, they don't charge you for parking. 200 Oh, my God. Well, you know what? No, maybe they do. I haven't been to Mammoth. I don't know. You know, the last time I went skiing, I don't think I paid more than $50 for a ticket. Yeah, no, it's shocking. So Holy so Mammoth God. is about 200 Brian Head was really, really expensive when we were there because they do the surge pricing. And so it was so busy the week right. that we went. It was surge pricing, and it was $107 the for Uber, t- The Uber model of pricing. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you can actually – it's interesting. You can look on their calendar, and you can see their surge pricing. Like it's – some days it's down to like $35, and then and then it shoots up on – I mean, this holiday week was very expensive. So we decided to go on a Monday. I found a place – so you're going midweek on the off. Uh, midweek, but it was but no, it was between Christmas and New Year, so it was a busy oh, so holiday, busy time. very busy okay. holiday week. So we're gonna. I found a place that was com- the whole town's totally booked out. We're last minute, of mm-hmm. course it's booked, and go to make a reservation on VRBO for a little condo. And now, explain to me VRBO. What is that? A vacation rental by owner. So, so this is a. a- person's you're like uh, you go to their house and you're this wasn't a house this was a condo within a condo complex but a but a person owns it a person owns it yeah it also it becomes more confusing within as my story goes along so at this particular condo complex i went right to their website and they did not have anything available when i looked on vrbo it said this one guy's got his you know he's got a condo available the downside is it took 24 hours to hear back. They said, okay, you're going to put in your request. We'll get back to you in 24 hours. I mean, we wanted to start, get there on Wednesday morning. They weren't even going to tell us till Tuesday okay. this was going to be available. And long story short, we get the reservation, leave early Wednesday morning, drive up there. It's nine-hour drive. Before we head up the mountain, 
We stop at the grocery store, spend a bunch of money in groceries because we're getting a condo mm-hmm. that has a kitchenette. Drive up the mountain. Get but there. you got confirmation that you got it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. VRBO gave us the confirmation. They and, gave us the reservation number. Gave them your credit card or whatever. Yeah. yeah all, all the above. And um, this is where you check in. And so I, uh, we arrived after, an, after a nine-hour drive. It's 830 at night. It was snowing dark driving up a mountain road as far as mountain roads go this was a good mountain road it's not super scary nonetheless it was dark it was snowing right and we were exhausted right and we had a car full of food and i go into the um wait in line get to the front of the line so i'm here to check in and i gave her my name and she said oh gosh we called you this morning we canceled your reservation <gasps> and i said you didn't, oh. you didn't call me and she said no we we called you i said you didn't call me. There's, I have no missed calls. We left a voicemail. You didn't leave a voicemail. No, we did. We called. I said, okay, assuming you called and left a voicemail, you called one time. I've been driving for nine hours and we're exhausted. I've got kids in the car. Like we're, we're, we're like, we're and because t- it's such a busy week and there's no other. And then she said, I know how you feel. And I'm like, <laughs> you that's kind of like the see this is bad training right? it was bad that training. is not something and i was like say. you do not know how i feel <laughs> and then the other her her superior came over she said no we canceled the reservation and i'm actually the one who left the voicemail and like you didn't call and leave me a voicemail i don't know who you called did she verify the number or anything no, and I should have had her do that at the time. I was so so, so freaked out, so yeah. frantic at that point. Nothing so you else. Got, you got your whole family there, right? Yeah, you just drove nine hours. Yes, and, and they were waiting in the car. And it's nighttime, right? This is it's eight thirty at night, oh, and it's snowing God. out. It's jeez. <laughs> oh, and the nearest, and so I, she was just lying to me. I said I made this reservation through VRBO. The VRBO is still showing an active reservation. You can see. Well, that doesn't matter to us. So, well, you didn't cancel it on VRBO. How are you telling me you canceled it with just one phone call to me? Per our general manager, we canceled your reservation. There's nothing we can do. We know how you feel, but there's nothing we can do. They didn't care at all. And that was the extent of the conversation. Okay. This is one of the weird things. This all started for me personally, like with Expedia, right? Where you would, you would, you have this intermediary who is selling rooms or, a plane tickets. It's always a little sketch to me because you can understand how that would be easy to possibly to get messed up. Now, I think in the case of things like plane tickets and hotel rooms, they have a block of rooms or a block of tickets. They give them to people like Expedia. So they know what they have and there's no chance of what you're describing happening. But what you're describing is that the intermediary like there's this there's this multiple layers of communication. It's not like the condo company gave VBRBO the unit and said, okay, it's up to you to sell it. That's not what's happening. What you're describing is VRBO has can act as an agent to well, sell it. Yes, and it's it's what it is. Someone owns that condo. Well, okay, yes. Okay, that, so that, that host. That individual who's called the host on VRBO, they're saying, I'm going to list my condo on VRBO because the condo complex doesn't do any, right. like they're not advertising on their own. So, but who are you talking to when you go there? You're talking to the complex? I'm talking to the complex. And so the complex. So, so why do they even care? They, you can book straight through the complex. And so I think what happened was 
somehow the 24 hours passed, they checked in. You know, that's what they were doing in the 24 hours until they got back to me to make sure that that room was available for me. And actually, not even that. They said, I, I booked a one-bedroom condo. They even responded back, gosh, we ta- we're taking your reservation. And not only that, we upgraded you to a two-bedroom. Wait, wait, say that again? I reserved a one-bedroom condo right. in that 24-hour request. With VRBO. With VRBO. They responded back 24 hours later and said, Yes, we have your reservation. We have it available. And we actually even upgraded you to a two-bedroom. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wait a minute. Okay. So the person there that you're talking to right now, you're showing her, says, not only do I have it, you upgraded me. Yeah. And she says, well, we're sorry. Yeah, we double booked. And so somehow there was a miscommunication between VRBO. Oh, my gosh. But, but it was worse than that. It was a lack. It was the lack of management. What she should have said was, we tried to call you multiple times. We, I'm so sorry. Well, except that they probably didn't. No, yeah. they didn't call me at all. Yeah. There was no missed calls and there was no Well, voicemail. it is possible they didn't have the right number since we don't. Granted. That, I mean, I'm just throwing but it. But however, possible. my right number is right in VRBO. So someone would have – and those things aren't transposed. So whose responsibility is that though? Is it VRBO or is it the condo company? Well, I paid VRBO. Right. So you, and so, you really don't have a contract with them, with uh, – I'm sorry, the condo people. It's with VRBO. So the host, and actually, no, 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 it's not even with VRBO. It's with the host and Oh, right, because VRBO is just a conduit. They're just a conduit. So right. it's with the host it's and with the – uh, so, so did you contact the host? So – Is the host all, a person who just – host is a person, So yeah. just owns this one owns unit. owns this one unit, yeah. Okay. So first of all, we had to leave. But what was – the starting point is they were so terrible to me when they – they had no empathy. The, all they said was – I know how you feel. That's not actually empathy. The empathy would have been, I'm so sorry. This sounds, this, I can see that you're upset. This is a terrible situation. We called you multiple times and I'm sorry we didn't get through. And we tried, I called a couple other places in town just to see if there was something else available. That would have been, but there was nothing available and I'm so sorry. The thing is though, honestly, I don't see, this isn't their problem. I mean, I can appreciate that they, you know, that would have been nice for them to go through that effort. But your contract's not with them. It was their problem because they wrecked a deal for their host. Their host promised me something and their host. Yeah, but the, right. The host did not, not the condo people. What I'm saying is that there's no financial motivation on their part whatsoever to make this right. It's, it's kind of irrelevant to them because the host the person who owns the unit listed with VRBO and they're either VRBO or the host messed this up, not the condo. No, I think people. the condo people did mess well, it how, up. Well, how, okay. How could they mess it up? The condo people took that booking from VRBO. That's what that 20. 20- gave it to somebody else? And then gave it oh, to Oh, so they else. also do bookings? Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So there is, yeah. Yeah, no, they totally, they, I checked their website and they were showing as full. And so I, okay. I think that they so du- they double booked. So they, 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 they they allowed this reservation from my host, and then they're like, mm. "You know what? I bet happened that twenty four hour thing. I bet they thought that that twenty four hour thing was in effect, and that they could they could uh, basically get you out, and because they had somebody there, you know, on hand probably who needed a place, probably something like that. And and that's the thing. It's like, why did you? If you're double booking, why did in I? In any case, though, I mean, f- from your perspective, though, your contract is, in fact, with the host. 
Yes. So you contacted the host. Yeah. So we had said, to drive. Well, we had to drive an hour back down the mountain. What, but I mean, when you called the host, what did, did they answer? I, did you? Did no, you I couldn't. Them? I couldn't do anything at, at that moment. I mean, I this wasn't resolved until we were already booked. You a don't have the hotel. host's phone number or anything. I had the host's uh, email. So okay. But no, there was like not a lot of service up there. Like I had to drive back down the we had to drive back down the mountain, find ourselves somewhere to stay. <laughs> All of our food was was. We, you we, did find a place though, right? Yeah, like a travel lodge right, with right. a tiny little refrigerator. I mean, we had a we had food. We thought we were staying at a condo. <laughs> Wait, you just leave it outside. Right? It's so cold. Well, it wasn't that though. It was like stuff that was going to be cooked and and I know. You know, I'm, it I'm, was I'm, just I'm I'm being a bit flippant about. And it, also, like we had this planned, is a horrible situation. We hadn't planned for you dinners. had both your kids with you, right? Yeah, and we hadn't planned to go out to dinner, so we had brought stuff to make for dinners and like. <sighs> so anyway, we get checked in our hotel, and I emailed them and um, VR, the host. The host and the ho- and then but back to the story with the chat bots. Then I the host didn't get back to me right away, and I had to get on with the chat bot, which is VRBO. for VRBO. And it was like this happened. She's and she multiple times the chat bots like, no, you have a reservation waiting for you. We're still showing it as active. I'm like I do not have a reservation. You need to get in touch with the condo place and find out that they canceled my reservation. And they said, okay, to get your money back, you need to cancel your reservation with VRBO. Said, oh, no, no, no. I am not canceling right, my reservation. then it shows that you – Yes. Yeah, right, right. The host needs to be – so finally I heard back from the host. Finally they worked it all out, and then the host canceled my reservation. Did the host have any communication with you? Yes. When- they apologized profusely. They said they were never notified that the that – the, condo was double booked but i and they and they're sorry it wasn't their fault i said no it is your fault because you're participating in a communication system that doesn't work you're participating in a failed system this should never happen so you are partly yeah, responsible i suppose um the host has authorized both the condo management company yes and they have listed the vrbo so they basically have two agents they and do, it, and it, somehow and, and those ways. agents don't. They're totally separate entities. They don't yeah. even have to communicate with each other. But that is, so, in my mind, that's what the twenty four hour twenty four hours probably. Was. That's why they don't. Yeah, that's, that's why they don't too. book you right away yeah. because they say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we can get this booking. Yeah, they, they, that's a bad system. They got They have to. You, you have to do like what I said, expedient these things. I think in, in way I believe that's what they do. I have I have a block of ten tickets. Here they are. Sell them. And if they don't sell any of them, then they come back, back to the airline industry. And in this case here, here's a block, here's a room. I'm giving it to VRBO. You no longer have it. If you want it, if you, the condo agency, want that room, then you have to get it from VRBO, right? That's uh, that's insane. It was a what crazy, a horrible experience. It was a horrible experience. And then to make matters worse... So the next day, we stay at the travel lodge. We come up. We're we're getting the travel lodge lady there. I'm sure was very nice. Very nice. I don't know. And they booked me. Literally, I was. We were five. Was it a lady? It was a man. But we were five minutes away from travel lodge. I'm like, I need a room. Okay, we got a room, and we we were there. And then we checked right in. It was very easy and good on you, travel lodge. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But then the next day, we go to get. Josh had paid for our lift tickets and and also prepaid for my ski boots. Because that's all I need rented out of all of our. We have everything else, and we're Wait, in um, it, it, one of those uh, combo lift tickets where you get you get equipment and yeah, exactly. Line. And so we're in so line. The equipment is from the the resort. The itself. resort, yeah. So we're in line to get my boots, and 
the guy's like, are you in line for gear? He came out, one of the sales representatives said, yeah, we're, I'm in line. We're getting our boots. He said, oh, we're all out of boots. I said, we, we rented the boots. We've paid for the boots. He said, we're all out of boots. Sorry. Oh my God. We had a, we had a morning rush. I'm like, but you promised me a boot. Oh my God. There's, and he's like, and I don't think there's any more boots that can be rented. Cause we didn't, because we had driven an hour. We had to drive an so hour. The, okay. This, I think this is easy to have fixed on their part. This is bad on their part. The thing is, you know how many lift tickets you've sold for that day that have equipment requirements. So you cannot sell past that minimum amount. You basically have but to But it's have, sizes. It's okay. You, you have to have a, a, the, that batch of sizes. So you're going to always have a little bit of extra But fluff. I didn't – we didn't put the size in. No, I know. That's oh, okay. what I'm saying. You're going to have one of every size of the boot. Yeah. You know, you, you have no choice as a business to do that. The only way you're going to make sure that nobody gets screwed – Oh, and is everyone in the back of the line where it's like there's no more boots. I'm like, we just paid for a lift ticket. Are you gonna have- yeah, that's, so, that's really bad. So anyway, we – went down to a little shop that happened to be very close and found and got like the last of the three boots that were there. (laughs) By the time I was paying, the lady's like, I'm glad that your husband ran down here to check if we had boots because they're all gone. Everyone now is like rushing down here. Like, oh my gosh, I'm having like, what is... What is happening here? Like so, so that's why we're talking about customer service because oh, it was okay. like this was, the, uh, incident. this was the incident. I know we went on kind of long on that. However, right. that it was the whole entire time. You're like, I am in the twilight zone, and obviously there are other bad things that happen to people. So I'm trying to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. In the grand scheme, of in things, the grand scheme yes, of things, right. I'm going to put the disclaimer but out there that I'm not. You know, there I, is I, something about it though when you yes. when you have taken the effort to make sure that things have been pre-planned and pre you know you've prepaid and you've got your res- you got all your thingies and then when none of that happens and they don't care <laughs> essentially or have a solution to boot no pun intended that that's that's just unbelievably maddening it's was and plus maddening. you're there with your whole family it's not like it's just affecting you no and then to walk back out cuz i the kids were like okay we're ready to get out of the car <laughs> to walk back out to that car and say we don't have a room. Oh, you mean they were waiting in the car? They were all waiting in the car. Oh, no. So you were in there by yourself I, arguing with Oh, the... no, which was a good thing. I'm glad that nobody saw me. <sighs> it was good that no one saw me. That what, did, me. what did the kids say? Her her kids are uh, a teenage, you know, late, late era teenagers, I guess you would call it. What did they say? Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I was crying. Oh. No, but I was crying because I was angry and tired you oh know? i can imagine you know yeah, you get course, to that yeah. point and you're so you're emotionally exhausted you're emotionally yeah. exhausted i was so tired i didn't even i wasn't even the driver so i mean i was yeah. i was ti- that tired as the passenger right. Right. the knowing that we were gonna have to it wasn't just well that. i mean you're going back to your family you're saying you have nowhere to sleep in this cold <laughs> snowy night I know. and we have <laughs> to drive an hour back down the mountain <sighs> and stay in some what did, what, did, what did your husband say? Did he did he did he offer words of comfort and? It was just. Support? I think they were just trying to turn my ship around. I was yeah. I was so upset, and I was I I had. Uh, oh my god! I had an altercation. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, well, I had an altercation with the ladies at the front desk well, when right, they told me right. they knew how I felt. Yeah, 
I, I, I didn't need to hear that. I think a lot of people, that is not something you should say. And they you said not, it multiple times. You do not tell somebody who is base, basically has nowhere to sleep at nine o'clock at night in the snow, nine hours from home, that I'm sorry, you don't have a room and we understand how you feel. <laughs> It's like, just not. I'll be like, is this a movie? <laughs> this is the dumbest thing. I, I wait, who told you to say that? That is uh, wow. So well, okay, okay. That's all I have to say on that subject. I think we covered customer service. Unless you have anything else oh, to God. say, I mean, no, because I think most of us understand that it it basically sucks, and those of us who are getting long in the tooth feel like it's basically getting worse. Well, you um, know what? I think that the, you're right. Maybe. The younger generation doesn't notice it because they have a, well, they, they, yeah, don't they don't have don't an know. expectation. Yeah. We've just we are now at, we haven't we're old enough to where we've seen a decline mm-hmm. and we've been able to measure it in the behaviors. And, of, and maybe this is related to the whole general direction of the culture where people are having less personal interaction. Yeah, where so much is done online. I mean, there's some th- speculation that young people are completely lacking the ability to manage interpersonal relationships because they have so few of them by comparison nowadays. And so that's just... They don't just, need to leave the house. They don't to, need to leave the house. Um, and they don't need to interact with people face-to-face or even voice-to-voice in many cases. And so this this problem could just get worse as time yeah. goes on. And, and I don't want to stereotype teenagers because there's a lot out there who are really great at communication. I don't mind stereotyping as, them. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I as a <laughs> just culturally, just the era that we're in, it does not require so much in the oh, way. No, of I'm not saying it's their fault. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not saying it's their fault. It, it, it it's just that's the way it's the culture natural, has developed. Yes. And so of course, I mean they don't they're young. They don't they're they're just they're in the environment they're in. So uh we can blame the society at large and uh, maybe to some extent uh parents too. Um, if they're not paying attention to what's going on and, and understand the implications of what's going on. But in some cases, it's out of their control as well. So like, it's not their fault that their only way of interacting during COVID with their teacher is uh, via a email or something. Mm-hmm. Or And, and or hoping the teacher... Well, I mean, there were stories of kids going online for their classes and the teacher just wouldn't even show up. Yeah. Right. So if that's the model... Right, you're seeing. Yeah, if then what it mm-hmm. you if you were modeled that for a year, where you maybe your teacher would be there, maybe your teacher wouldn't. How is that? How do you turn that around and treat other people the same? Like how are you? Well, and what is your what is the the standard that has now been set of responsible behavior? Because yeah. I when we went to school, I mean, the idea that there would be nobody there at the classroom. I mean, it's just it's inconceivable, right? If if for some reason your teacher was going to be there, there would be a substitute there. There was never nobody there. That's just, it's totally inconceivable that that would have ever, ever happened. Well, it was a decline on both sides. It was like the, the kids wouldn't show up because it didn't matter to them. And then the teacher was like, well, no one's going to be here anyway. I'm not going to be here. It was just, it just kept, you know, the expectations on both sides just kept getting lower and lower and lower. Right. Okay. Well, okay. We kind of beat that one probably. Yes, we did. I think we did. I, unless you had something else, I had something. We, we've had a lot of rain lately. Yes. And so there's something I've been hearing on the news a okay. lot. And it's a new phrase. I'm intrigued. There's a new phrase that I've been hearing a lot that I've never heard before. And it was the atmospheric river. 
Have you been hearing this? I have heard this phrase, the atmosphere. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, this this <laughs> phrase, I looked it up because I, all of a Is sudden- Is it an old one? Has it been around a long time? It was coined in 1994 at MIT. Okay. Right. But it seems like somehow we just started using it. And now that one person started using it, everyone's using it on the news. Of course. As yeah. if it has always been used. What but we, it hasn't been. Do you remember the polar vortex? Yes. A similar And the bomb of. cyclone. <laughs> so. I mean, it's a, listen, if you're a meteorologist, uh-huh. and that's to use the, the term that makes it sound like it's a very sophisticated job. But if you're the person on TV talking about the weather, whether or not you have a degree in or just a mouthpiece, it's so hard to come up with interesting words about the weather. So when something new like what is it? Atmospheric, Atmospheric river, river shows which, up. Which by you're going to jump on that right away. Yeah. You're like, okay, because everyone. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's new. Yeah. It's a new catchphrase. <laughs> and so, by the way, it means a narrow band of concentrated moisture, which is what we've had. Right. So it is It is just like the. the well, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know if, uh, what do they call that? The What's the stream up in the atmosphere? The Gulf Stream? Not, no, that's the one in the, that's a current. Oh, geez. There's, there is. We're going to edit there that like, out. Uh, no, 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 that's funny. <laughs> Some people, I'm not editing that out. Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Uh, no, there's, I thought, the, uh, I thought there was a, there's an atmospheric, it's a, basically an atmospheric current. Okay. That is, that is up there. And, and so it would be, it would be like all of the clouds, the water vapor clouds traveling in that. Well, I think that's must be what they're. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I, I I get what the imagery. No, is. No, the imagery is actually kind it's of perfect, kind of cool. but it's just funny how how everybody all of a sudden is using the atmospheric the river. Atmospheric. River. Well, we've got. I mean, we've we, just, we were. Rem- I was reminded. There's the pineapple express. So we always had that. Well, some people might not know what that is. Which is it's a strong river, atmospheric river that builds in the tropical Pacific. So the pineapple express is a atmospheric river. One that's concentrated over right. the Pacific. And here in Southern California, where we don't get a lot of rain, it manifests itself as, to us, a very heavy rain uh, associated with uh, warmer temperatures because it's uh, it comes from the tropics. So it's not a it's not a cold rain. It's a it's a warmer warmer rain. Well, and the thing is, in Southern California, because we're usually always in drought conditions, <laughs> that when we get so much rain, it's pretty extreme. Because you don't know how your house is going to handle it right. when you have uh, fits and bursts of weather. Right. And so you're like, okay, I've, I've been dry for like a year. How right. am I going to handle the deluge? You know, am I going to have – Yes, am I going to have a roof leak? Am I going to have erosion on the foundation? Or, you know, like a – Whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's it is it is a thing out here where we're, we get a little freaky when there's, there's rain. We love the rain because we know we need it, right. but we're all like, "Oh my gosh, can we? Is our house going to hold up? <laughs> like, are the gutters going to hold up?" And then it is it is also true that when people are driving around here in weather, they're like driving instead of. 70 miles an hour on the freeway, they might be going 50 miles an hour and super carefully. And then you go back east and people will be driving 80 miles an hour. I don't, I could not even handle it. When it was, I had to go somewhere last week on the first part of the rainstorm and I was driving 40 miles an hour on the freeway, but there was a car driving behind me in the slow lane. And I, and I thought to myself for, for a while, I thought that person is happy 
that yeah, I'm going 40 miles. Because you're setting the standard. I'm setting the standard for them, <laughs> and they're just happily driving behind me, saying, "I'm not the only one." <laughs> now, so, see, I would actually be worried about driving that slow because in, it when when you have visibility that's low, you get somebody who's going 70 miles an hour behind you. They may not see you till it's too late. Well, that's why I was happy to have the slow person yeah, behind yeah, me. Yeah, so you have a little buffer there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it is It is true that uh, the rain is a thing here. And gosh, yeah, here we have another another fun little jargon word. Yes. Atmospheric so, river. The atmospheric river. We've got atmospheric river. We've got pineapple express. We've got El Nino. Yeah, the El Nino and El Nina, right? La Nina. Or La Nina, right? Yes. Um, yeah, you can see how well I know my Spanish. Well, uh, <laughs> so... Those are all West Coast Those are, atmospheric terms. So. Yeah, because that well, the Nina Nino can La it, Nina it is implies like, a change in the climate for the year, right? It does. Yes, yeah, it's like a natural three to five year cycle. Uh, cycle. Yeah, the winds are weaker. Pacific warms. Yeah, this so. this actually is an interesting little tidbit that a lot of people uh, in the East might not uh, appreciate. Here in the West, our, our we have a lot of variability in the weather, so. We can have years where you have very little rain, and then you could have two or three years in a row where you have a, a, a lot of rain by comparison. I think in the East, especially when it comes to, to rainfall precipitation, it's a lot more stable. Like you get a pretty reliable series of storms every year around the same time. The the variability you might get on the East is like, is a hurricane coming, you know? Yeah. But but generally speaking, the climate is pretty predictable. Um here in the West, it's it's not. It's feast or famine. <laughs> yeah, it's it kind really of a is. feast or famine, and the West is just known for that. And it probably has something to do with the Rockies and the Continental Divide. In the Pacific um, and, 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 the, and warm have, water uh, coming in from – We have a cold current that comes from Alaska and goes down south, which is the exact opposite of what you guys have on the East Coast where you have a warm current from the south moving north. So it's an exact opposite – current flow. And so the reason why Southern California, we're pretty uh, southerly in latitude, but it's not very, it's not overly hot because a cold current is what's cooling our coastline and keeping the air temperature and stuff uh, more temperate. Um, because we can have easily cooler temperatures here than you could have at far on the East Coast, more Northern climates. So... It's just um, I don't know. We, we turn into the weather channel. <laughs> we are the weather channel. We are you know TV reviews, deep issues. There's I'm blaming huge... that atmospheric river. Yeah, that's you never I... <laughs> know what you're going to get. So I think that's what makes it interesting. Well, hopefully, yes. Well, hopefully. I'm interested. <laughs> that's right. Yes. I'm interested too. Yeah, and I think that's a wrap for today. I think it is. Yeah. Anything uh, you want to uh, tease uh, coming up? Tease, 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 tease. Well, we are going to dive into what is an expert um, because the last three years have put experts on the hot seat and we want to examine what it means to be an expert and how you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. That's what voting is, right? Ah, yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds uh, slightly provocative. Hope and, so. And I know too, um, we've discussed and uh I'm just this is a, a, a little mini tease, but we are going to have an interview, uh at least one and probably more, of some interesting guests that you guys can look forward to. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm gonna excited. say what the topics yeah. are about, but but that is something w- that we're gonna be working on. We are and, and uh, we are excited about it. It'll that. be uh fun to get a third person in yeah, here. Yeah. Some good questions. Okay. Well thank you. Well thank you, and uh well Let's just keep thinking about it. We will keep thinking about it. See you next time. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the I'll Think About It podcast. We hope we've given you something to think about. Please share us with your friends and on your social media. Goodbye for now. Bye.